today I'm getting together with my friend, John McLeod. John is located in London, where he operates JEA Associates, a PR and marketing firm. John is staying at home and working from home. But how are you doing, John? You know, if someone told me at mid-March, yeah, you're going to be in-house for eight weeks and uh, you won't be able to go out, see people, do anything, I'd be like, no way, I'll just go mad. And admittedly, the first week was tough, but I think a lot of people I spoke to, like, we were just readjusting to a new reality, just a quick 10-minute walk and doing some crazy workout video on YouTube where you look ridiculous to your neighbors. But, you know, you, you do adapt. And I've always felt very privileged working in this industry. I've connected with the people on Slack, on Skype, all over the world. And that hasn't stopped, you know, just people are working from home. Yeah, it is tough, but I have friends that work on the NHS. I have friends who work in the entertainment industry and in so many areas that are really, really suffering because of this. So you have to count your blessings. I'm very lucky. And uh, hopefully the governments and scientific community will come to their senses and, and realize what needs to be done. And uh, things, it will come to them. They will, they will release this lockdown. I really think a lot of good will come of this in ways we don't understand. I mean, this, this huge shock and impact economically. These are very interesting times. And... The old Chinese proverb, may you live in interesting times, has never been true now, I tell you. In this industry, we've got, you know, equity markets, oil crashing, going negative, Bitcoin halvening next week. I mean, this, this, it's, I find it just fascinating the times we're living in. Every time I go on Twitter or, you know, just go on the news, I'm like, politics, economics, you name it, markets. It, it's a very interesting time. And uh, I think the way people consume, work, travel, it's going to change, you know. But my 10-minute walk, just walking in East London, one of the busiest areas of London, yeah, it's so clean, the streets are empty. It, it, it's a very strange thing. And I mean, it is sad to see businesses bordering up, you know, the small retail. I really feel for them. But I do think the way people do business and the impact this is going to have is going to be huge for some time to come. So, uh, yeah. What's it like in London? Uh, are people actually practicing social distancing and wearing face masks? Are, how often do they go out and for what reasons? I mean, this is anecdotal, but when I go out for my sort of 10-minute walk with my husband, uh, it's, it, it seems like everyone is, and people do keep their distance, and you see people with masks. And then every Thursday evening at 8 o'clock, everyone leans out the window and claps for the NHS, and there's a real sense of camaraderie, actually, in that one. And, uh, okay. uh, which, you know, it, it's um, not, not something you're used to. You know, people are keeping in touch on sort of WhatsApp and FaceTime, and you, know, the, 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 you really find out who your friends are in these difficult times. It, it's kind of reassuring as well. It, I think people are. I think some people are beginning to crack when it's a really hot, beautiful day. People kind of mm. take these more than they should, which is understandable. But I think, by and large, the government were quite surprised at how well people, you know, did adapt and did sort of stay in. But I mean, the death toll is heartbreaking. The United Kingdom isn't doing so well right now. As far as per yeah. capita, you know, the United States is obviously yeah. a horror story. But when yeah. you go down the stats, the United yeah. Kingdom's right up there. I think they were very slow to test, very slow to, you know, give clear, clear, clear um, guidance as to what, you know. I remember going to a big uh, conference, Crypto Compare conference in March, and everyone was like, oh, my God, I can't believe we're here. I think, to be honest, other countries, you know, in Israel, they locked down much more quickly and they had you, know, you could go online and see, you know, where coronavirus had appeared, if it had been in your lo local supermarket or something. They were just much sharper and quicker. And 
I think there's going, to, there's going to have to be a public inquest about how sharp the government was about this. But it's also an example that so many of the problems we face today are interconnected. You know, no man's an island, no country's an island. Even if you are an island, we are interconnected. And uh, these problems will face, you know, sort of, you know, how countries interact with each other and share information and work together. You know, a time of real protectionism that we're seeing now and nationalism. Paris mm. just shows it doesn't work. You, know, you have to work together and you know, share information. And we as citizens have responsibilities as well. And I think actually citizens have actually reacted very well and people are sort of like out for each other and, and sort of responding and just doing the responsible thing of staying at home. There's a lot of pushback here in the United States yeah. with people yeah. protesting now and the government seems to be capitulating maybe too early in some people's minds yeah. and opening up. My county yeah. is still on an increase with... Uh, new cases being reported and the number of deaths, but uh, uh, half of the counties yeah. in our state are opening up right now. And many, many states are opening up. Some people are really, really happy about that. They think that because they're open, they can go out and do it. And that mentality seems to be kind of filtering through every place else. And in my neighborhood now, I see m many more people out on the streets so many fewer masks, people meeting each other, uh, you know, that we know don't live in the same home. And, you know, it, it seems like, it seems like there's two ideologies or two approaches to this. Yeah. And I don't know, is it that, is it that way there? In the beginning, we all participated, I think, for the first few weeks with some grumbling, but with mm -hmm. some obedience to the science. Now many people are yeah. just ignoring facts yeah it's it's kind of been the recurring theme of since the last few years people just ignoring facts and it's scientific expert opinion i think by and large the public in this country have been good since they were told this lockdown yeah i i saw in the u.s it, it doesn't help when leadership is so muddled in very erratic personalities at the top you, you sort of, you know just some of the things donald trump's been saying yeah. you know, people listen to the president and he has the sheer weight of responsibility. I, I don't think he really cares what other people think, but he really should, you know, his words carry weight. And if he incites people to you know, break the quarantine, they will. And yeah, the economic impact is going to be devastating, but there's no moral hazard. You know, the government should step up. They, they should be printing money. They should be supporting small businesses. There's, there's no moral hazard. It's not like the banking crisis 10 years ago, where you know, the government had to step in, but there was serious moral hazard on that. This is something totally different, and uh, there is a role for the government to support small business owners. So, touch wood, I'm still standing, but I, I do feel for people that have, you know, office rents and uh, and you know, or you know, have to depend on people coming through the door, and they can't have that. A lot of questions going through my mind that maybe it would be really fun to talk to you about, but because you are in public relations and you do push out news stories, yeah. actual news stories about usually business events, right, that are going on. Well, but, yeah, the blockchain, distribution ledger technology sector, you know, I have done that for five years, and it, it's been a hell of a roller coaster. But um, to be honest, I, for my sector, you know, news is still happening. People are still writing about this, and there is still interest. It's one, one or two former clients in, in artificial intelligence, how that can be applied to really sort of speed up, you know, the process of testing ideas and so on. It, it's, it's really exciting. So touch wood, you know, th this industry is still moving on, and Everyone said it would collapse under a crisis, but it's holding up, I think. And uh, there are some really exciting projects out there doing great work. It's, it's, it's growing, and it has done the last five years I've been part of it. So 
Again, it's a great sector to be in. I'm really curious though yeah. about fake news. I'd love to hear your take on that because it seems that there are so many different news stories that contradict each other going around. And there are so many people who are making decisions based on who they choose to get their news from, their news sources. Yeah. It's dividing us. And I'm going to use coronavirus as my example, but of course, we know that politics is also a serious victim of this fake news divide, and I don't want to get into politics. But let's talk about the coronavirus. And how do you see fake news? What do we do about that? The last you know, four years, what happened in 2016, the idea that the majority of Americans state their news from Facebook is terrifying. You know, the days when People really read you know, the New York Times or the Washington Post in, in the 70s. And there was real weight to those words when it came out. You know, the number of news sources was much fewer. Local papers were much more respected, much stronger, and they had a real voice. And you know, journalists had real responsibilities, and you knew where news was coming from. But these days, that accountability is just gone. You know, there's, there's very little accountability. And there never was that much accountability. Anyway. You never knew what a journalist came from or where he or she came from or what their views were. But now, just the ability to manipulate news and how susceptible people are just to ridiculous stories that they see that are designed in a way to make them look real. And often, you know, people pay and it's not always clear when something's paid for in editorial where something's, especially in, in the blockchain space, there's a lot of sort of paid for content. And again, that lack of accountability or sort of really respectable sources that are very objective. Also, it doesn't help in this space, as you know, it's, it's changing by the minute. There's so many what-ifs or this could be your speculations. It's just so new. There's very little data. There's so many, how will institutional investors, how will the general public, how will businesses react, how will they develop? How, there's so many uncontrollables. So it's one thing. But with coronavirus, again, the problem is, I just don't think the scientific community have enough data or information over the last three months to really understand how it's transmitted, who's more susceptible, whether younger people are more, uh, you know, less vulnerable than older people, we know that. But there's still, you know, that, as I was saying earlier, you know, that process of sharing information between countries, no countries in Ireland, this problem is so interconnected, all countries have to work together, even if there is, you know, isolationist, protectionist, political rhetoric and, and isolationist in power, they have to accept that they have responsibilities and if it means they share information with China, and work with China, and they have a moral obligation to do so. But it, it doesn't help, you know, weak leadership that we have at the moment is a real problem. But how just having that information to make informed decisions, if you don't have it, it's very hard in defense of the decision makers at this time. Do you think that maybe the people in the United Kingdom took it a little bit more seriously when leaders like Boris Johnson and Prince Charles actually became... Nope. That was quite shocking. I thought if ever you know, the elite would be protected, but by definition, they're, they're engaged with many people. And there's an example that no one's, mm -hmm. uh, this can affect anyone. And, you know, it really is very serious. And you have to really restrict the people you interact with and, and the number of people. I was very surprised. But it just gets to show no one is uh, immune to this. And, and uh, you really have to stay away from people. When will they lift the lockdown? Do you know? Um, it's, I think there's going to be a speech from the Prime Minister on Sunday my husband's family are from Israel, and uh, they're about two weeks ahead of us, and the schools are starting to go back. And I think they will, in this country, they might start, you know, in a few weeks' time, schools to go back. And there's so many rumours, as you're saying, in the news. So it's, there hasn't been an official decree, so 
I just don't think they know themselves. But there, there is going to be a speech and there is talk about easing the restrictions. Hopefully things will get back. But in the 1918 flu, you know, it came in two phases. And um, I have a horrible feeling that it might come again in the, come in the autumn. Maybe in the summer it will die down a bit. But winters, olds and flus tend to come back with a vengeance as people tend to congregate together. Here in the United States, the projections, even just for the end of June, are to have 3,000 deaths a day. That's almost double. So that's not really a slowdown here for summertime. Um, and, you know, with all of the these states releasing people before all of the considerations are met is probably even going to accelerate that more. So that is very troubling. But like you, I've had to start restricting my access to the news and instead talk yeah. to people like you and find out how they're doing. And do you have any coping skills, any ideas or suggestions for people about how they can get through this? You have to count your blessings. I, I've, I've been playing the piano a lot, actually. I finally finished Beethoven's Sonata. So uh, yeah, that's one thing. Uh, but just You have to keep yourself mentally engaged and, and vary up the days. Do a bit of exercise, even if it's indoors and you look ridiculous, just do it. You know, just uh, you need to physically engage and keep your mind and body active as much as you possibly can, even indoors. Just try and break up the day as much as you can with different tasks or try and keep things varied and, you know, focus on work if you can and just how you rethink, you know, I've got other ideas as well. And you know, how you turn, you can't go out and meet people by definition, but how you connect with people and interact with people. And I've had meetings I've never thought of, you know, just you know, going online on Twitter and just how you do that. You have to really be innovative, but maybe some good things will come. But yeah, in terms of coping, I'm talking to my siblings and my mom much more than I used to, you know. And I, <laughs> right. My poor mother, like her, her grandson who stands on the wall as a glass, you know, from the window and she can wave to him. But, you know, it's, she's in her 70s now and she can't, you know. Yeah. But you know, having those phone calls, having that report from the family and just, uh, even if it's only just through a window, at least they can wave and say right. hi. So put on your future thinking cap and you yeah. said there's going to be some positive changes. Can you think about what a couple of those might be? I, I think the culture of being, I have to be at my desk, I have to be at work, I have to waste an hour and a half every day commuting backwards and forwards on some crammed, expensive tube. People will begin to realize things can still happen. You don't have to be at your desk. I always used to think, actually, you know, it's great to work with tons of people and get bounce ideas and interact with people. But, you know, the, the cost of office space is enormous. It's a huge expense. I think that flexibility of being able to work from home and, and work and just connect on, on FaceTime. I think that's going to change a lot, actually. And, and the, the need to be in an office and fixed office all the time is going to be less and less relevant. I think the environmental benefits, I'd like to think there will be a plus side. People appreciate the air they breathe and there'll be a sort of, I didn't want to breathe this horrible air. I want to have nice air. And, uh, you know, maybe that, that will push through on the environments, actually. Maybe some good things will come from that as well. I think the competence of political leaders will be called into question once this is all you know, the dust is settled, people are going to ask some very serious questions about how responsive they were, you know, how quick were they to react, how prepared were they. I think there's going to be a big political reaction to the, oh, I'd like to think anyway, this isolationist, protectionist wave of populism that we're seeing. But I, you know, sovereignty and, and isolationism, these problems we face today are interconnected, whatever it might be. We have to work together. You know, China is a rising force. You should be sharing information with China and vice versa, you know, the, the virus originated there. But, uh, you know, you can't turn your back on people just because you, you might not like the position you're in financially or economically with them. Uh, th that sense of working together, and you see European countries working together to solve this, sharing respirators. 
I like to think politically there will be a reaction, economically there'll be a reaction, and uh, it'll be a positive one. Yeah. Sort of like a reset button. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> if something good comes of this, I hope it's that. <laughs> well, I'm looking for good things too. Trying to stay positive here. Yeah. <laughs> so, well done. I look forward to working and collaborating with you more. And I hope you stay safe and healthy. And before we sign off, I like to take a minute of silence to just reflect on the seriousness of this. Togethering, because we will get through this better when we get through it together.